3: And we are back for another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins, and my name is Derek Diamond. And sorry, we're we're a day late. We're <laughs> happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, something popped up for Derek, work related on Monday, so we had to push the show. We would have done it last night, but last night was Halloween. We can't do a show on Halloween. You gotta enjoy Halloween. So we pushed it to tonight.
2: Yeah, and you know, I I, I appreciate everyone's uh, everyone's patience. Yeah. Work got um, pretty busy uh, on Monday, so had to, uh had to take care of a few things. But, you know, it, it happens sometimes. But those that are longtime listeners, remember, that used to be a much more regular occurrence yeah, for me. I remember those
3: baseball seasons where Derek's like, uh, I'm not going to be here from, like, July to, to September.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I had to put in our Google Doc, like, this week I can do the show. <laughs> This week I can't. Then I can do the next week and then I can't for like a month. Yeah. So but you know, it, it's gonna happen in the line of work that I'm in, stuff's gonna pop up. So it, it it is what it is, but it doesn't happen nearly as frequently as it used to. So it is what it is, but we're here uh doing our show. So how was your Halloween?
3: It was good. Um just um the thing that's really sucked about it is I got candy just in case we got trick-or-treaters. Don't usually get trick-or-treaters here in the uh, the old apartment complex, but you never know. So I went and bought some, and I really wanted to just binge out on candy last night, but I couldn't because I have a hu- I had a huge hole in my tooth as of last night because I had a filling pop out of my, my tooth last week, and I've gone like five days with this huge hole in my mouth, which I got fixed this morning, and uh, I'm a little sore in the jaw this afternoon.
2: That's got to be the worst. Just having the candy there, yeah. <laughs> and it's almost like calling out to you, and you're just like, nope, can't can't do it. So I got a big bowl of fun size Snickers waiting
3: on me downstairs.
2: Um, I I used to love the fun sized candy bars. Whenever I was a kid, mm-hmm. those were like the only times of the year that I would have them. And just you know, you'd get your if you had like your your bag or your bucket, and you'd get like Snickers, Twix, yeah. Kit Kats. <laughs>
3: Did you ever have go to any neighborhoods where they actually gave out like the full size candy bars? I never got to experience like somebody giving out full size candy bars when I was a kid. Not that I can remember. No, it was always just the fun size stuff.
2: Yeah, that that was pretty much it for me. And it's funny you mentioned that because we got candy too, but we had we didn't have any. Trick or treat. And we have kids in our neighborhood,
3: yeah. <laughs> like, don't, but they didn't come by. Don't go to the diamond house. Stay away. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> no, so um, Joey in I've the chat in room this...
3: says, there's nothing fun about thy tiny size.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting started early, I yeah. see, Joey. But no, I- I've lived in this house for six years, and I have not had one trick-or-treater. Really? yeah
3: yeah I even ran it by my uh the the what do you call it the the apartment manager um the other day I was like, why don't we do something where like you know we all decorate our patios and have trick or treaters you know welcome trick or treaters in in and whoever has the best uh decorated patio gets like a hundred dollars off their rent she's like They'll never do that. Like, you might get a $25 gift card to Target or something. It's like, hey, I'll take a $25 gift card to Target.
2: Yeah. That's actually a really good idea because, you know, a lot of towns do, like, trick-or-treat in the street where they'll have, like, they'll close down a road and they'll have, like, tables set up with candy or, you know, they might have their car set up and... You know, they open up the back of their car, and it's, like, all decorated and everything. Yeah. That's a good idea. I've never thought of that.
3: Yeah, and the way this uh, apartment complex is set up, like, all the buildings have, like, this inner kind of, uh, I don't want to say, like, picnic here, but, like, this little courtyard area in between the buildings. Uh, there's, like, two or three different courtyards in between the sets of buildings here. So, like, that would be the perfect spot to, like, come in. You know, all the kids go in the, the you know, the, the little areas there, trick-or-treat. Around all the buildings, and then, you know, we'll call it a night. I think that'd be fun.
2: You should trademark that. I should. <laughs> trademark copyright Jason Robbins twenty twenty three.
3: But uh, how was your Halloween?
2: It was good. We pretty much just sat around and you know watched movies and had pizza for dinner and had a uh, had a nice relaxing night here at the uh, here at the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we watch we don't really the... go out much anymore.
3: What's your what's your go to watch every Halloween? Every Halloween, I gotta watch uh uh the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown.
2: Um, Hocus Pocus has become one. Um, ever since Samantha and I have been together, um, the original Halloween is one, mm-hmm. and um, I don't do it every year, but I try to watch um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original one. Yeah, but I did watch that um this year, so. Those are a couple of my go-to's. Yeah, we
3: watched uh, we watched the Corpse Bride last night, and uh, so it was a good night. It was a good Halloween, and uh, I'm kind of glad for October to be over with because October was kind of, man, it was trying this year. It had a lot go wrong this year.
2: Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully November will be better for you.
3: Fingers crossed. <laughs> but uh, but we got some news to get to this evening. You ready to jump into it? Sure. Let's do it. And some of tonight's stories were submitted to us by Mr. Armez Jackson. And if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com. And this first story is from GameRant.com. Nintendo patents dual-screen gaming device that can be split in half. Um, Let's see. Uh, Nintendo recently filed a patent for a dual-screen detachable device Uh, And With the Switch 2 being Nintendo's worst-kept secret, every patent and leak that emerges raises an eyebrow from fans who are eager to get a first look at the next generation. Reports of the Switch's successor appearing at Gamescom behind closed doors have since fueled discussion and speculation online as to what the next Nintendo console might be and when it might be released. Uh, Let's see, the recent Nintendo patent looks an awful lot like a 3DS but the device can be split in half. The two separate halves can communicate with each other wirelessly, allowing two gamers to play together on the same device. While connected, the two halves play together like a DS or 3DS. Interestingly enough, there is also a touchscreen on the side of the console, which allows gamers to interact with the handheld even when it's closed. Now, of all the leaks that we've seen so far, this is the one I would bet is the actual closest to the truth of what the Switch 2 is going to be.
2: And not saying it is the truth, but I could see this being a reality. It seems like, you know, the a natural evolution for the Switch. They already have a similar, you know, mainframe in mind with the, with the 3DS and the DS before it. Mm-hmm. I think it personally makes sense to do that. Yeah. And if they call it the Switch 2... Then they can market it as it's, ha, it has people. two
3: screens. <laughs> two screens, two people can play it. I think it's an awesome idea. I hope this is actually what it is.
2: I'm just ready for Nintendo to come out and say this. This is it. I, I you know, think, like we we know it's coming. I think we're going to get the win. I, can't,
3: I think we're going to get the reveal early 2024 around spring. They're going to they're going to announce it, and then maybe even a 20. 24 Christmas
2: release, maybe? What do you think? Is that too early? I mean, if it's, if it's far enough along in development, then I don't think so. It'd be cool if they announced it on the... Let's see. So it would be the seven-year anniversary mm-hmm. of the Switch? Yeah, it came out it, what? For, 20, when it launched? Was it? 2017. 2017, yeah.
3: So it's it's about time. It's definitely time for a, for another console.
2: It would be cool if they announced the successor on the anniversary of the Switch being released. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. They should hire me for marketing. Yeah, why not? They should hire both of us. (laughs) (laughs) I know, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. From timeextension.com, PC88 classics Thexter and Relics land on Nintendo Switch, with more classics on the way. In the past, the Tokyo-based publisher D4 Enterprise has reissued a number of classic games for old Japanese computers like the MSX, PC-88, and PC-98 on Windows via the Project uh, Project Egg service. However, now it has started a new initiative called Egg Console to bring as many of those titles as possible over to Switch. And the great news is they also seem to be uh, releasing on Western storefronts too. Thexter was initially published in 1985 and is the work of developer Game Arts. And there's a a trailer that you can watch uh, here in the article. Uh, It's an action-adventure game where players take control of a robot that can transform into a fighter ship in order to navigate obstacles in the environment and battle enemies. And then Relics was released in 1986, where you take control of a wandering spirit that can possess defeated enemies to unlock various new attacks and powers. There are multiple routes and endings to find, as well as music from the Japanese pop band Crystal King. So this this is pretty cool. Uh, both games cost uh 5.39 is that pounds? Um, Signed for pounds?
3: Yeah, I think so.
2: And are available to buy now from the Nintendo Switch eShop. More Project Egg releases are expected in the future and we'll do our best to cover them as they arrive. Of these two relics sounds the most interesting to me yeah. because you you take control of you know uh defeated enemies. I think that's a really cool idea. I feel like I've heard of that in a more modern game. Yeah. But I can't remember familiar. what it is from.
3: I just love the fact that these companies are putting out these old... Like, I've I never heard of these. And would probably never have heard of these if it wasn't for consoles like the Switch and you know Steam, things like that. So, please keep putting all these old games back out. They have to be preserved. And and available, so take note, Nintendo. Start putting old stuff back out.
2: We should uh, we should get these and and review them.
3: I'm okay with that. I will do that. Yeah, I'm down.
2: I think. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun.
3: Uh, this next story is from NintendoLife.com. I guess you pre- this pronounced homage. O- is mm-hmm. the name of the, uh homage's range of Tecmo Bowl apparel? Looks like a touchdown for retro sports fans. American retailer of vintage-inspired graphic t-shirts, Homage, has announced that it has teamed up with Kowai Tecmo for a range of Tecmo Bowl apparel, the first item of which is available on the Homage website now. Um, launching with the Tecmo Bowl American flag logo t-shirt, it's $32. The collection will be released in a series of waves over the coming months. Uh, The first of these kicks off on 2nd of November with a collection of tees that see all 32 NFL teams represented by their helmet logo in the classic pixel art Tecmo Bowl fashion. The next wave will launch on the 16th, um, and both the team and player ranges will retail for $38. You can find all of those who make up the initial Tecmo Bowl player collection. Um, Let's see, on the 16th, it says 10 NFL Legends Um, who you might remember playing in the uh, 89 NES Classic, being treated to a homage player shirt. And you can get Jerry Rice, Barry Sanders, John Elway, Jim Kelly, Randall Cunningham, Christian Okoya, uh, Thurman Thomas, Derek Thomas, Clay Matthews, and Howie Long. Where's Bo? Where's where's Bo on here? You, You can't do it without Bo.
2: Maybe he wanted too much money.
3: No Bo Jackson, man. That's crazy. But, but Barry look,
2: Sanders was the other cheat code, though.
3: Yeah, he was. Um, these look cool. I mean, if you look at them, the you can't tell they're pixel art at first until you really look at it and you're like, oh yeah, that is pixel art.
2: I was glad you threw this in here because I love the homage website. They make some amazing t shirts. Yeah, I'd never heard of it till now. And they're they're a little pricey, but if you're gonna get like a a quality shirt like that, you know, they're not, gone are the days where they're like 10 or 15 bucks. Like you're going to pay at least 25. Yeah. And they do have sales too. So it, their shirts are normally 32, but sometimes you can get them for 20 or 25. So it, it's just a matter of checking out the website, but they've got a lot of cool stuff. And yeah, they, this is a great addition.
3: I'm going to have to get a Saints shirt. Oh, and I love just the Tech Mobile shirt. It just, it's got that, you know, red, white, and blue flag print in the words "techmobile," and it just oh God, that is like instant nostalgia.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah I'll have to uh I'll have to look at all of these and just you know see what the designs are like, but yeah, homage makes they make great stuff, yeah, I'll have to check them out. And our last story, also from Nintendolife.com, Coleco's failed negotiations with Nintendo apparently resulted in the birth of the Famicom. Uh, Time Extension recently got the chance to speak to Coleco exec uh, Bert Reiner about the history of the American toy and console maker. According to his account, there was a time when Nintendo almost ended up buying and marketing the 1982 video game system ColecoVision for Japan, but negotiations fell through. The former Coleco vice president of product uh, development claims Nintendo wanted to do its own deal, and eventually it got to the point where its company president, Hiroshi Yamauchi, said Nintendo would develop its own console. Uh, this exchange was followed by the launch of the Famicom in 1983. Talk about a what-if yeah, scenario. Just like like to... that Marvel animated <laughs> series, you know, where it's like, uh-huh. what if, you know, Peggy took the, the Super Soldier serum instead of Steve? What if <laughs> Nintendo had bought ColecoVision? How uh, different would video games be today? I was
3: just about to ask you, like, what would the world look like right now if Nintendo had gone with the ColecoVision instead of creating its own console? Because, look, nothing nothing against the ColecoVision. Arguably, ColecoVision was much better than the Atari at the time, but it was somewhere in between you know, the Atari and what the Nintendo could do. So if Nintendo never made its own console, I mean, would video gaming be the same today? I I honestly don't think so.
2: And it's tough to say, like, exactly what the market would be like, because that's like its own podcast. Yeah. Like, what if this happened? But it is a very interesting thing to think about.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. I mean it's sort of the sort of the same thing of like what if the the Nintendo PlayStation had actually happened Would there would would there even be a Sony PlayStation now would they have split at some point I mean what there's so many <laughs> just like what if scenarios when it comes to stuff like this because Nintendo has had their you know fingers and and everything going back this far like i didn't even know about this like what would have happened I, I don't think the video game world would have been the same if they would have never made the famicom or the nintendo like i don't think they could have i mean obviously we would have never gotten the nes super nintendo we, there would be no nintendo i don't think
2: no, it's like if you're talking with a bunch of movie buffs and you ask the question, what if Star Wars was never made? Yeah. Like, how different would movies be?
3: <laughs> movies? Yes, were, I, I don't know. We wouldn't, have that, Th- we wouldn't have THX. We wouldn't have CGI. We wouldn't have Toy Story. We wouldn't have Howard the Duck.
2: <laughs> that's where you draw the line, because we've got to have a, some Howard the Duck. <laughs> that, that would actually be a fun podcast to do like a what if what if this happened yeah because i'd love to go through and map out like okay so this was 82 Mm -hmm. how different would video games be today
3: and you know what else i was thinking we should do a commentary track of howard the duck (laughs) i'm okay with that could you sit through that movie one more time to do a commentary track for it
2: I mean, you and Wally will be there, so I can do anything.
3: <laughs> I think we should. I think that would. If be If we fun. could
2: survive Super Mario Brothers and Double Dragon, we oh, can survive Howard the Duck.
3: I don't think anything could be worse than Double Dragon. Like as much as I as I think Super Mario Brothers is awful, Double Dragon was doubly
2: awful. Oh, Joey said it perfectly. Nintendo Vision.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd play a Nintendo Vision. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we would would they have eventually made the NES at some point or you know what that's just crazy to think like what would the world of of video games the past 35 years look like if this would have happened
2: that'd be crazy to map out
3: yeah but uh before we go into this month of video game history I want to tell you guys about our mobile game partner Globe Glider if you like action adventure platformers and we know you do Globe Glider is for you. Making a donation to the game using our partnership is quick and easy. Just simply hit the donate button and select Nerd Cave Retro as your referral partner to unlock sweet in game prizes like an exclusive Nerd Cave Retro cape. So download Globe Glider now on the App Store or Google Play. And I've played a little bit of it and uh, I dig it. It's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like an overhead shooter, kind of like 1942 or, or 43, something like that. And um, I, I, I haven't donated to it yet because I'm, I want to get the Nerd Cave Retro Cape that's in the game.
2: <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I'm, now that things are starting to calm down work-wise, I'll, I'll get a chance to, to finally play it.
3: But, but um, I'm excited. Now it is time for This Month in Video Game History. On October 18th of 1985, Duck Hunt is released for the NES in North America and made us all hate that stupid dog for the past 35 years.
2: Would you say the Duck Hunt dog is the original troll?
3: Yes. (laughs) Absolutely.
2: If not the original troll, one of the original trolls. Oh, I hated that dog so much. Like everyone else did. Is there a kid alive?
3: Went... Is there a kid alive that didn't try to shoot that dog?
2: <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> What's cool is that when they announced the Duck Hunt dog as a character in um Super Smash Bros., the I don't know if you've seen it, but if you haven't, I'll send it to you. The reveal trailer is so brilliant. Really? Where it has like Someone's playing Duck Hunt, and the dog, you know, pops out and does his laugh, and the the background kind of goes black, and then he just kind of looks around, and then eight bit versions of Mario, Link, Bowser, Mega Man, and others show up and corner him, and he's like, "Uh oh, <laughs> it's
3: great." I'm gonna have to you know, send me a link to that. I want to see that.
2: Yeah, you'll love it. On October 23rd of 1988, Nintendo releases Super Mario Bros. 3 for the Famicom in Japan, which includes the first appearance of the Koopa Kids.
3: It's always crazy how back then games always released like a year or two early in Japan before they reached America.
2: I read this the other day. There's a rumor that Nintendo is going to do a remake of Super Mario Brothers 3. I'm there. <laughs> and, and I would play it. Like, why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, I'm, w- would it be. It, I'm curious as to how they would do it. Like, would it essentially be Mario Brothers 3, but with like the new Super Mario Brothers graphics? Would they change the, the gameplay a little bit? Hmm. Who knows? But I mean, I'd be intrigued for sure.
3: Absolutely. I would love to play a remake of Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh, let's see. October fifteenth of nineteen ninety, LucasArts Arts release, releases *The Secret of Monkey Island*. This is something that I desperately want to play so I can review. I've heard nothing but good stuff about the Monkey Island games, and I've never played any of them.
2: Yeah, I haven't either, and I, I feel like it's something that you know comes up like around this time of year, or you know once or twice throughout the year. But yeah, I'd be I'd be curious to to play this as well. Mhm. October 19th of 1999, Pokémon Yellow Special Pikachu Edition is released for the Game Boy in North America. Still to this day my favorite Pokémon game of all time. Really? This was this was like the first extra of the It's like Pokémon was always released in pairs, like you had Red and Blue and then the next generation you had Gold and Silver where they each had like specific Pokémon that you could catch and then you could trade them. Through the uh, the old link cable, oh um, wow! If you, I know, right? Uh, so yellow was essentially like red and blue, but it was modeled more after the anime. Hmm. So you'd get like Pikachu as your starter, and he would follow you around because in the show he didn't like being in his Pokeball, hmm. so he would follow Ash around, and you'd run into you know characters from the show that weren't in Red and Blue. I mean, who wants the to stay in a changed.
3: Pokeball? It seems very cramped in there.
2: I don't know if they've ever said, like, what the Pokemon see when they're inside a Pokeball. Is it like be a, really cool.
3: Is it like a genie lamp where, like, if you go inside, it's like, it's like the TARDIS. Like, it's, like, huge in there and, like, got lots of room to spread out and just do whatever. Or is it just... It's bigger on the inside. Yeah, it's bigger on the inside. I wanna know. <laughs> These are the things about Pokemon I want to know. I got to know. So uh who who's the Pokemon uh who's our, our resident uh, Pokemon expert? Um It's gotta be between uh Tyler uh or uh Brandon, I think. Maybe. I think.
2: I I'll ask him in the chat after the after the show's yes. over. So,
3: whoever our our resident expert is, send us an email on what the what the inside of a pokeball is like cuz I want to know.
2: That would also make for a great like short film idea. Yeah. The life of a pokemon <laughs> inside a pokeball.
3: Uh October 29th of 2002, Rockstar Games, wow, 2002. Rockstar Games releases Grand Theft Auto Vice City for the PlayStation 2. Arguably one of the best Grand Theft Auto games, I think.
2: I think it's the best, personally. What's crazy is if, if this game was a person, it could legally drink now.
3: 2000, if you would have asked me, Vice City came out in like 2008, eight, <laughs> nine, somewhere around there. Right. Not 2002. No, I,
2: you want to know my favorite thing about Vice City was just driving around listening to the 80s music. Yeah. It yeah. was so, and... They used um, a flock of seagulls I ran in, in the marketing, <laughs> and that introduced a whole generation of people to that song.
3: Hey, oh, oh, I know. That, that that actually was one of the best parts of the game, is just flipping through the stations. And um, I actually just picked up a uh, almost brand-new copy of San Andreas not too long ago at the Goodwill, but I'm always on the lookout for Vice City. I haven't come across one yet, but as soon as I do, I'm
2: snatching it up. No, I don't blame you at all. And last but not least, October 27th of 2003, I can't believe this game is 20 WWE SmackDown Here Comes the Pain is released for the PlayStation 2 in North America. This was where the controls in a wrestling game started to become a little more complex where you'd have to hit like multiple buttons to pull off a move. Mm-hmm. It gone were the days of just like, oh, I'll hit, you know, left and the square button, yeah, <laughs> and something will happen. You have to do a little, little more in that. Oh, uh, Joey says on the PC version, you can play your own MP3s on a custom radio station. Oh, that's that is cool. sick! That is sick!
3: <laughs> that's awesome! Yeah. As soon as I get a copy of Vice City, I think we should go back and replay it, and let's do a dual review of it.
2: Hey, you don't have to twist my arm to do that. That seems like a good. i love su- it.
3: A good summertime playthrough kind of thing
2: kick off the summer with some Vice City.
3: Yeah, I dig I'll it. I'll
2: break back out the, the Hawaiian <laughs> shirt and the sunglasses for it.
3: Yeah, I'll go buy a, a paisley blue shirt with a white linen overcoat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you got to get the, uh, the,
3: the brimmed hat, too. Yeah, got to do that. Man, <laughs> that makes me want to go watch Miami Vice. But <laughs> before, we, before we go into the review tonight, Derek, you want
2: to do our Patreon shout-outs? Absolutely. As always, we'd like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash retro. We want to shout out James, a.k.a. Jimbo Jr. on Discord, Travis Martin, Raven, Danny House, Justin Nispel, John West, Daniel Salmon, Mr. B. Rez Coffee himself, Mike Eveland, Tyler Watson, axeblade 7 Armes Jackson, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I am the Rampage. Rampage steph sergeant sketch gus and penny matthew salmon joey image and of course mama Mama diamond Diamond herself donna diamond thank you all so much for your continued contributions and keeping the lights on for us here at the nerd cave retro podcast for as little as a dollar a month you get early access to our fun commentary tracks like for halloween (laughs) us two plus Wally and Joey got together and we watched the original Scream movie, which I had so much fun doing. It's one of my favorite horror films of all time. It was just a really, really fun time. One of my favorite commentary tracks we've done.
3: And if you've never really checked out our uh, commentary tracks, just go go listen to go check one out because it's almost just like an extra episode of just us. You know, t- getting all nostalgic. It's basically all it is. It's a nostalgia fest, those commentary tracks. You don't even I think really, that's, you don't,
2: that's what makes them so much fun.
3: Yeah, you don't even really need to watch the movie. I mean, you could just listen to us banter about it for, you know, and our experiences with those movies.
2: If we're doing a commentary track for a good movie, yeah. <laughs> I'd say put the movie on and you can have it in the background while you listen to it. Yeah. If you just want to listen to us suffer, then you can check out like Double Dragon and Super Mario Brothers, but you don't have to worry about watching. (laughs) But yeah, if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media info, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, so we can give you a proper shout out.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts?
2: Spooky! Yeah, so this uh, this was my last uh, Halloween-themed review for the, the spooky season of 2023, and we're going to be revisiting Splatterhouse, which is a beat-em-up arcade game developed and published by Namco in 1988. It was the first in a series of games released in home console and PC formats, which, of course, you know, later on, there were Splatterhouse 2, 3... Uh, the remake, which I've heard is not good, I've never mm-hmm. played it and I probably won't because, like, everybody says it's bad. Yeah, I haven't either. But, um, it was, so I played this on the uh, the TurboGrafx 16 Mini, um, that you know we've we've had for a while now that was um, that was gifted to us, mm-hmm. and um, I know you reviewed this um, a while back, maybe even last year. Um, for, it was during the pandemic,
3: I think. It was probably 2020, 2021. Oh, wow, that right long ago? Yeah, it's been a while. Wow. Because I remember okay. we got it around the beginning of the pandemic, and so I, I this was one of the first games I played on it because this is one of those games that, and I think I talked about this when, I, when we first did this game, I remember seeing this game advertised everywhere. And... I, I got to see some uh, demo of it on some TurboGrafx-16s at, like, uh, uh, Toys R Us and things like that, but I never really got to play it until I got the mini.
2: Yeah, and I I knew of this game uh, from back in the day, and, you know, I remember the 2010 remake, but um, had never never really played it, and it was one of those things that, like, I was looking for different horror-themed games to review and this popped up and I, I knew you had already reviewed it but i was like you know what we've we've been revisiting some games so this is like why not a, i mean it's
3: one of the quintessential like halloween games to play like this castlevania i mean this is like in the top 5 horror halloween games
2: oh absolutely so uh, for those that didn't hear The previous review um so splatterhouse is an arcade style side scrolling beat-em-up with some platform elements where you play as rick a a parapsychology college major who is trapped inside west mansion Uh, he makes his way through the mansion fighting off hordes of creatures in a vain attempt to save his girlfriend jennifer from a grisly fate so Gameplay-wise, it seemed like something that would be right up my alley. I love platforming games. It's still my favorite genre. And, yeah, it does have elements of that, but it is definitely more of an arcade-style beat-em-up. Yeah. Because, yeah, you can jump and you can get to different platforms and whatnot, but when you jump, the controls are kind of sluggish. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't really move that far. If at all, like you can move just enough. Like if you're having to jump over an obstacle, you can jump just enough to, to get past it. Yeah. But don't think you're going to gain any extra ground from it. No, because you're not, (laughs) this is sort of,
3: sort of like the same. It feels a lot like Simon Belmont in Castlevania. Like he's so lumbering and heavy and just, it's like, it's like trying to play a tank.
2: And this, I would put this like slightly better, just very slightly, like enough to notice, but still yeah. not, not the greatest. But I don't think it really deterred from the overall experience because there's a lot that I actually really liked about this game. Most notably, the graphics. I think this looks really good for a late 80s game, and especially yeah. like, with the backgrounds, how you can see kind of the details. Like if you're in the sewer, you can see the details in the brick. If you're outside, you can see like trees in the background. And you didn't see that very often. Like you can Mm. look at like Mario brothers two and there's, it's a solid blue background Yeah. or same thing with Mario three, where it's like that, that kind of tannish, color there was really no detail
3: the detail in this game is crazy that's one of the things that i noticed most about this game is just the level of detail especially like you said even just the backgrounds like this game just makes you feel gross (laughs) with with the detail in the backgrounds like just so slimy and just gross
2: and speaking of gross there's also the death animations yeah (laughs) and that they all have like their own specific type like whether it's you know exploding into you know a pile of goo some type of demon character puking something out there's it's very specific which again you didn't see a lot of Mm -hmm. around that time because a lot of character deaths would just kind of be the same but it it gave each you know like i want to say well not boss but like every enemy you would fight on screen it felt like a very distinct individual enemy and yeah. not just like part of a group if that makes sense yeah and doing some research on this game because we've talked about around the time that you know this game came out and even a little bit later into the super nintendo and genesis era there would be differences between like the us release or the japanese release you know wherever the case may be There are some differences in the the U.S. version, Uh, most notably the the Rick character in every version. But the U.S., he's wearing a white mask. Mm -hmm. But you know who he looks a lot like?
3: (laughs) Oh, Mr. Jason Jason Voorhees himself.
2: (laughs) So uh, Namco didn't want to get sued, which I don't blame them for. Mm -hmm. So Rick has a red mask in the uh, in the U.S. version. There's also in the the fourth stage, you could tell that it's supposed to be a church, but they removed a lot of the elements that make it look like a church. Mm-hmm. I guess they didn't want to paint religion in a bad way.
3: Well, they had to do I that don't... a lot back in the day, where the, if anything involving religion had to, be, they they took out of video games the same way that they would take out like Nazi memorabilia from games and the european market
2: yeah and i mean that that does make sense and even that the boss in that in that stage is an upside down cross Mm -hmm. in every region but the u.s and the u.s is just a giant floating head yeah they are i get the changes i think some of them are a little extreme personally.
3: Well, you gotta remember, too, but, but, like, back at this time, like, this game would have been, was already controversial, but can you imagine if they would have had, you know, all the religious imagery in it? The, the the religious right would have lost their collective minds over a game like this.
2: True. It's just people don't, they don't look at it as, oh, this is a form of entertainment.
3: Yeah, well, video games were, were for kids and, you know, that's like I don't know the whole video games rot your brains and like there was this was deep in the heart of satanic panic back in the day, so had to tread lightly.
2: But that being said, it didn't take away from the experience. Like I get it, but it it didn't make the experience worse. Mm-hmm. So I I will give them that. There is one instance, and I can't remember. Like, in between what stages what stage it was, but they're like little it's almost like a mini game where you have to survive in this room for a certain period of time, and you're you're in what looks like a maybe like an office or something like that, and the whole room is shaking, mm-hmm. yeah, so you're having to like constantly jump up and down and you have like a chair that comes to life and flies across the screen. I almost threw my controller at my monitor <laughs> because I could not kill that thing. Because it's just, everything is just so like, it was almost mm-hmm. sensory overload in a way. I think
3: I had the same problem during that that part.
2: But I mean, overall, you know, I, I came close to completing the game and I, I know it's really short, mm-hmm. which it being an arcade style game, I get it. I mean that that's how those games are. Yeah. But if you're if you're looking for something that you know you can beat in maybe like 30 minutes to an hour and you like this type of game, I'd give it a shot. Is it perfect? No, but I I enjoyed it quite a bit more than I was expecting to.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, it's just one of those games that like it's got the perfect horror atmosphere. And the music and... It, yeah, the pace of the game is a little bit slow sometimes. And the platforming can be... A little frustrating at times. But... That was just... You know, that that's just... At the time, like, you couldn't escape that. That, that was put in to make the game feel longer. Because, like you said, this game is really short. Uh, I think if you... If you if you took the time to play this and you really put your mind to it, I mean you could probably finish the thing within an hour or two of playing it for the very first time. Like it's not that difficult. I mean it 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 can be, but it's really not that hard.
2: It's one of those things that you know, it's a very much a memory-based game. Like even mm-hmm. if you die on a certain stage and you also um there are also checkpoints. Through the game, which I thought was really nice, because a lot of the, the games from that era, if you die at any point, you go right back to the beginning of the stage. But there are checkpoints throughout this, which mm-hmm. which was really cool. Um, there are some cool weapons that you can use. Um, for the most part, you know, you just have your punches and kicks. Um, the drop kick is way overpowered, yeah, <laughs> because you you can kill enemies in like one hit, whereas it takes like five punches mm-hmm. to to kill like your most basic zombie or creature or whatever it is that you're fighting and I throw a drop kick and I'm like why don't I I'm just going to do that
3: yeah <laughs> it's, it's like
2: it was it was broken in a way but um you get things like um you get a wrench that you can throw you get um like a giant it's not quite like a bat it's more like a, just a giant stick um you use that for the first time when you're in the sewer and these water monsters come up and start attacking you that's really the best way to beat them, yeah, because you're moving so slow anyway, <laughs> but when you're in the water it's even slower so if you don't have you don't have that stick you're' you're in for a long day <laughs> and of course you know you got your 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 shotgun because what monster base thing doesn't have yeah. a shotgun
3: and it only lasts a couple of blasts before it goes away because it's you know overpowered
2: I don't know if this was a glitch or if this was something that You know, someone just figured out, but I was watching some gameplay, and um, this guy picked up a shotgun and came across another one, and then he kept dropping one (laughs) and then picking up the other until he got to the boss character, and then just unloaded both shotguns (laughs) and and killed the boss.
3: Oh, that had to be a glitch.
2: Yeah, I'm like, man, why didn't I know that while I was playing it?
3: (laughs) And I always wondered, why was this game exclusively for the TurboGrafx-16. It seems like this would have made... I mean, it probably wouldn't have put this on the NES, but this seems like it would have fit on, you know, the Super Nintendo. But, I I mean, there are other games that are just as gross on the Nintendo. I know Nintendo liked to be the family-friendly console, but, you know, this would have done pretty well on the Super Nintendo. I know eventually, I think they put, what, Splatterhouse 2 and 3 on the... The Genesis, I think. I'd have to look at that. That's what I
2: was going to say. I think had this come out in the early 90s, this would have been an excellent Genesis game.
3: Yeah, Splatterhouse 3 was um, was released solely on the Genesis, and Splatterhouse 2 was, uh, it was also for the Mega Drive slash Genesis. Okay. So 2 and 3 didn't even come out on the TurboGrafx-16 because it was pretty much a failed console by then.
2: Makes you wonder why they didn't at least port this yeah. to the Genesis. I don't know. I, I think this would have made an excellent like launch game for the Genesis.
3: I, think, I still say that this game is aesthetically cool enough that they could do a remake of this game. And modernize Mm -hmm. it a bit, make it longer, maybe, maybe smash all first three games together into one game and just remake the whole thing.
2: I think there'd be an audience for it. I mean, I'd definitely pick it up.
3: I mean, for sure, I I, I would love to play an updated version of this with you know updated graphics, faster gameplay. Um, maybe some co- add some more cool weapons to the game, things like that. I think that would be cool. I think there'd be a market for that.
2: Joey says there's a Repro Trilogy version for Dreamcast. Oh, okay. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. It's hmm. interesting. Oh, it does say here that the game was included as part of the Namco Museum compilation for the Nintendo Switch. Oh, no, okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it said it was released on the uh, the virtual console uh, in Europe in 2007, North America in 2007, uh, yeah, Japan and Australia in 2007. The arcade version was released on in 2009 on the Japanese virtual console.
2: And then in June of this year, the original arcade version was ported to the PS4 and Switch as part of the Arcade Archive series. I might have to go get
3: that cuz I don't think I ever played the uh, the arcade version. I've only ever played the the TurboGrafx 16 version.
2: I never really think of the arcade archives, even I though I have yeah. the the Super Mario Brothers one. Yeah, I don't ever think about it either. I have to look into that but as far as the the reception of this game goes a uh, game machine listed splatterhouse on their december 15th 1988 issue as being the sixth most popular arcade game at the time uh see computer and video games gave the arcade version a positive review and received positive reviews upon release with praise for its graphics music and general gameplay it's also known for its graphic violence which was inspired by classic 80s horror movies the game did receive some criticism for its lack of variety and simplistic nature, but it was otherwise praised for being challenging. GameSpot gave it a 4.7 out of 10. This is the virtual console version. Um, IGN gave it a 6.5. Nintendo Life gave it 8 out of 10 stars. And it's also available for, um, for the iPhone. Oh, okay. As well. Yeah. It says here, iOS, while wow, BlackBerry. Haven't heard that name in a while. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Windows Mobile. So it, it's been available in some uh, a decent variety of of places. I would say for me, there I don't like that the game is so short. And yeah, the controls are kind of clunky, but it's to be expected. It's a great looking game. It plays well enough. I like that it's kind of ahead of its time as far as the look, the feel, the music. So I'd give this game, I'd give it a solid seven.
3: Yeah, I think that's where I landed too. Um And if if you're going to play this, I mean, there's so many places you can play it now, especially you can play it on the Switch. I mean, it's pretty much available anywhere. But if you're looking to get a copy of this, like if you have a TurboGrafx-16 or you're going to get, a, you know, looking for a TurboGrafx-16, this game is quite expensive to get on oh, I bet. Like eBay. I mean, this is like a $200 game at this point. So if you're going to play it, just go pick it up on the Switch or PS4 or Steam. I don't know if it's on Steam. It might be. But definitely, oh, I didn't it, check Steam. It's definitely on the Arcade Archive, so you can go check that out and play it there.
2: Yeah, there's plenty of places that it's available to play, so... I know we've just passed the the spooky season but you can play spooky games year round. Yeah. So yeah. I I definitely check it out.
3: And um if you if you're a fan of 80s horror, the, this game is right up your alley. Like it's just Oh yeah, slides right in there. I think Splatterhouse. It made me
2: think of Evil Dead 2. I know it
3: does. I think Splatterhouse would make a great like anime, like animated series.
2: Oh, I think so too. I'd watch it.
3: But uh, but that's I think that's it. That's going to bring us to the end of the episode. Sorry this didn't come out before Halloween, but uh, we got a little busy, so sorry about that. And uh, happy Halloween, everybody. And Derek, tell them about what we did on the Derek Diamond Experience this week.
2: Yes, so uh, Jason and I got together with two friends of ours, Jeremy Branch and Chad Sanders, and we talked about John Carpenter movies for an hour. We had a, a fun roundtable discussion about... You know, really the the, the career, the legacy, um, just John Carpenter in general, movies like They Live, Halloween, Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York. If you're a John Carpenter fan, definitely check it out, because I, I had a lot of fun doing that episode.
3: It was informative, too. I mean, being the John Carpenter super fan that I am, even I found out things I didn't know about John Carpenter, some John Carpenter movies that I had never even heard of or seen.
2: Yeah, same here. But if you want to check it out, you can head over to linktree.com/slash D diamond Podcast. Um, everything's there from social media information, podcast subscription, YouTube. And it's looking like um this Monday I'll be doing top five movies from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And there was awesome. a uh, a pretty juicy rumor that came out about um the original Avengers returning. Ooh. That that I've uh got some thoughts on. So I'll, I'll talk about that too. Uh,
3: and Chuck in the chat room says, uh, in the mouth of madness, he directed good one. That's actually my favorite John Carpenter mm-hmm. film is in the mouth of madness. I love that movie so much.
2: And if us talking about the podcast doesn't inspire you, go check out the thumbnail I made for the episode.
3: <laughs> it's awesome. I get to be a uh, snake Pliskin, So thank yep. you for that.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I just took the picture I normally use and threw a Michael Myers mask on.
3: <laughs> I look so weird with hair, though. Like, I first saw it, and I was like, is that me? Is that not me? Is that me? Well, yeah, that's me.
2: I, I, I thought about putting you as Dr. Loomis. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I, I couldn't find, like, a a picture that would kind of match, though. So uh, yeah. Maybe for the next one.
3: Yeah. Uh, and if you are into comedy, go check out my other podcast I do with Mr. Jacob Craig called Open Micers, where this last week, this week's episode, we talked with comedians J.P. Leonard and uh, the always hilarious Mo Alexander. And uh, let me tell you, if you're easily offended, do not go listen to this episode (laughs) because there was a few things I thought I was going to have to cut, but I was like, nope, I'm leaving it in for posterity. So go check out this episode at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram.
2: I think you should refer to him as Open Micers legend, Mo Alexander.
3: Uh, He's given Wally a run for his money on how many times he's been on the show.
2: I know. I feel like I'm falling behind. I'm going to have to to try and catch up.
3: (laughs) Well, go check out this episode. I might have pulled something laughing so hard while we were recording (laughs) that episode. I mean, it was... There were some moments in that episode where I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to get canceled so hard right now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but uh, I'm going to tomorrow. I can't uh, wait to hear it.
3: There's one part in the episode I want you to text me as soon as you get to it so I know where you're at. I'm like, "Yep, that's it. You'll know (laughs) it when you hear it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> but uh but that's gonna bring us to the end of the episode. Happy Halloween, everybody. Sorry we're a day late, but it is what what's today called? Uh Dios de los Muertos, Day of the Dead. Is that how yeah. I say it day correctly? But yeah, today today is the day of the dead, so we're still in the realm of Halloween, so we're good. Yeah. But uh anything else before we leave this evening? I think that's it. All right. Well, we're walking out the door. If you want to email us, email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Nerdcaveretro.com is our link tree that has been completely updated with everything you need from uh, social media to uh, Patreon, audio feeds, the YouTube. It takes you everywhere. Even our merch shop, which is ncrmerch.com. You can get t-shirts, hats, stickers, Magnets, bags, mugs, wherever your nerdy heart desires. Follow us on social media at Retro, at JFunktastic, and at Derek underscore Diamond. And, of course, leave a review wherever you listen to the show. And if you can't leave a review, leave us a five-star wherever the podcast is available. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween!
0: To runs by town.
1: Monkey! This podcast is a Zoo House LLC production.
3: Hey Derek, have you heard the news? What news? We officially have our very own line of coffee at brezcoffeeco.com.
2: That's right, Nerd Cave Retro now has its very own medium roast coffee.
3: If you want to try it yourself, or even some of the other awesome flavors like Wizard's Potion which is a butterscotch, caramel, and hazelnut flavored roast.
2: Or the Dragon's Breath Roast, which is a cinnamon dolce flavored roast.
3: They have tons of different flavors, and you can also just get a regular Colombian roast and add any flavor to it that you want.
2: They even keep their seasonal roasts all year round. If you need that boost to get you through those all-night gaming sessions, then head over to brescoffeeco.com and use the promo code NCR for 10% off your order.